Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Road. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, Sark takes the mic today around 11, give or take a few minutes. What are y'all expecting to hear from him, hope to hear from him, rather, uh, as we get ready to gear up for Iowa State this weekend? Well, you know the two questions, Bobby. Quinn, health this week, how's he feeling? Jalen Catalan. What, is he going to play? How's his health been? I think those are going to be the two big questions people are going to ask health-wise of the team. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see what uh, Sark has to say. But I look, I, th- I think he's just going to um, – no, not yet, Ekim. Um, but uh, that, 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 I'll, I'll take it. Um, but, uh, you know, Bobby, I think the other thing will be just, a, you know, a lot about just going on the road, the preparation, uh, knowing where you're at with this team this team knowing where they're at in the process and everything on the line, how much to play for and how they need to play four quarters of football um, and how much better they can get. Because Sark keeps talking about, we haven't played our best football yet. Um, And it's getting late in the season to continue to say that, but you know he's going to keep harping on that with the team. Yeah, I I think that's part of it. We're also waiting on Keelan Robinson, who takes on an increased perhaps value given – Jonathan Brooks being sidelined for the rest of the year, Jerry uh, and uh, Blake. Uh, look, uh, I don't know that there's going to be anything that he, Sark says that's going to be very revealing today. Um, the sun, the Thursday pressers are generally housekeeping, although last week we heard that Quinn Ewers was playing on Thursday. So the minute I say that, the minute I know something else uh, comes out uh, and, and perhaps major. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Uh, morning cold. All right. Hey, I, I apologize for that. I shouldn't have done that on air, but geez, sometimes you just get overtaken. The, the things that I would say about all of this, Blake and Jerry and everyone out there is it is that time of year where we know who Texas is. Yeah. They are who they are at this point. Uh, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Drew Kelson has talked about that with us. Rod Babers. Uh, we've talked about it. Um, and so waiting on them to play their best game is kind of unlikely. Right, you don't you don't see that this late in the season. You see more of what you've seen, especially as as injuries compound. Right, right? and uh, I believe uh, Iowa State's won four of their last five, so they're on a little bit of a run right now. Um, I I do believe that Texas, however, uh, has st- some some advantages uh, physically, yes. particularly up front. Yeah, um, I think that there is some motivation here for Texas to go on the road and take care of business, uh, to put themselves in a position to play for the Big 12 championship and perhaps more. Uh, but as I wrote on Inside Texas this morning, guys, I think this game could be won or lost on the headsets. Um, I think that uh, right now, you know, Texas has a little bit of an advantage, but they're without their star running back. OK, so that means that the running game is going to be a little bit down. Steve Sarkeesian is playing against a three-high safety look, which has notoriously given him problems in the past. Uh, Matt Campbell, you know he's going to be fundamentally sound, his teams are, and they're going to play to the whistle uh, all the way through all four quarters. So how does Sark extract, I don't know, 24 to 27 points in this game, Jerry? That's going to be the key. If he can get 24 to 27 points, I don't think Iowa State can score 27 to 30. Against right. Texas. I, I agree. And I was just looking at it. I mean, uh, Iowa State's best offensive output was obviously on the road last week against BYU. 
even in the wins over TCU Cincinnati, offensively it wasn't pretty for them. But are they finding enough rhythm? Um, we'll see. Uh, but, again, I, I agree with you. I think uh, while there was some good bill, bulletin board material and good, you know, just, you know, the Iowa State offensive linemen, uh, I still think Texas has a huge advantage there um, in this game. I, I think it's, it's going to be so interesting to see, um, you know, what Texas does um, in, 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 ter- in terms of running the football, how they run the football, how they want to attack running the football Saturday. Uh, because I do think that's, you know, look, it, the reality is Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, maybe in Savion Red were built for the inside zone. Now Keelan Robinson and Jaden Blue are not. So w- w- do you change what you do in the run game at all this week? I think that's going to be so fascinating to watch with Sark because this late in the season, Bobby, you don't really want to change what you're doing, but due to injury and difference in personnel, when Cedric Baxter's out of the game, do you almost have to? Um, I, that's going to be interesting to see uh, for me what how they attack the running game in Ames this week. Uh, Zane Petty saying this, and I, I've written it in the scroll for everybody this morning. Texas favored by four by seven and a half. Okay, the over and under is forty seven. Yeah. Okay, so that means Vegas is essentially thinking twenty seven to twenty. That's that's basically what they're looking at right now, or twenty-eight to twenty. That's that's their. And I look, I don't know. Given Texas's issues in the red zone, um, two field goals versus three touchdowns doesn't sound right to me. Um, and so I, I just don't know. We're gonna have to wait and see. Like I said, I think this game might be won on the headsets, won or lost on the headsets. Now, and, and let's be let's let's. Uh talk about Iowa State's four out of five wins. TCU, below 500. Baylor, below 500. Kansas, they lost. And then BYU will end the season probably five and seven. They're terrible offensively. So they haven't beaten in that win streak. They haven't beaten anybody that is a, I would say, is a quality team. But but at the same time, you still have to go play good football. I mean, so, I mean, should Iowa State win this game at home at night, Saturday, blah, blah, blah? No. Uh, but Texas still has to go execute at a high enough level. They don't go after, they don't have to play an A game necessarily, but they got to get in that B to B plus range Saturday night. They can't go I, kick the ball around the field and turn it over. See, I, I think they're going to need an A minus to an A game. I think it's a little bit different, more difficult than that. Uh, Matt Campbell will not typically does not let his team beat themselves. And I can, you know, we can laugh a little bit about Ames and whatnot, that it's not this huge megaplex or whatever of college football fandom, but they do have 60,000 plus and it is loud at night. Um, and there's a, a little bit of a, a hint of truth or a kernel of truth about what their offensive lineman Jared Hufford said about uh, it being a difficult place to play at night. Um, Texas has been held under 30. They were last week, 29 to 26. Against TCU, Barely. this is the first time all year, though Gabriel Martinez. Uh, so I, I don't disagree. I understand what you're what you're meaning by that. I, look, uh, Texas has to come out all. I don't know that they have to come out all cylinders firing, but they need to come out with a game plan that is built to last against Iowa State. They can't suffer these long threads of not moving the football like they did in the second half against TCU. That is not okay. If if that happens, 
on the road against a team that's kind of hot right now in Iowa State, that is just not a recipe for success. And, and Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers, even Jerry, have to guard against that. Quinn Ewers needs to be willing to take the first down on third and four as opposed to throw it 20 yards deep on a, and have a 50-50 shot ball with Xavier Worth. He needs to take the easy stuff underneath. Let's let's see if if last week Quinn didn't just have a little bit a little bit of rust on him. I think he did. We saw that first throw. He came back strong. That last pass to Adonai Mitchell was something else. But um, I think I think Quinn being back for a second game is also yeah. helpful for Texas. I think the other thing too is look to the we know what this team is. Iowa State couldn't run the ball in Kansas. I think they're the only team that hasn't run the ball in Kansas this year. Now, they ran it well against BYU. Uh, but, it, it again, this comes down to Texas strength. When you go on the road, the strength of your team has to show up. Texas takes away the run against Iowa State. If they dominate uh, Iowa State and Iowa State can't uh, run the football, then Texas is a huge advantage there. I mean, that and that's the number one key on the road stop Iowa State from running the football. If they do that, you're putting, again, a quarterback who started some games, but a guy with seven interceptions this year, you could have been a put, you're putting him in a position to where the ball is going to be in the air more than Iowa State ideally wants it. All right, guys, before we move on to some more talking points and then get to questions, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Texas Road this morning. Yeah, we appreciate the guys at Texas Road. Texas Road is the commercial uh provider for so many people around Central Texas and across the state of Texas. Uh, they essentially help you build roads if you need them built. Uh, and then we're talking about deals with not only uh, local corporations that need something uh, built going into their, their uh, subdivisions or uh, with uh, local municipalities that need something. Texas Road is your group that uh, can really help you out. They focus on customer relationships and providing their clients with first class uh, uh, communication, as well as effort and work product. Uh, that's Rick Vavro and his team at Texas Road LLC. Check them out uh, if you're interested because they absolutely can help you. We appreciate uh, Rick and his sponsorship of Coffee and Football every Thursday morning. All right, guys. Well, last night was there was a basketball game played for number 19, Texas. So they played Rice, of course, came away with the victory, 80-64 to 64 win. Jerry, talk a little bit about that and what you saw. Well, the big news in Texas basketball yesterday was Trey Johnson committed, <laughs> right? True, that, very was true. Good, that was the good news for Texas basketball yesterday. Number four player in the country, uh, future lottery pick, six, five and a half guard that was built to score, uh, a competitive fire, tough kid, coach's kid, absolutely shoots it from everywhere, could shoot it off the dribble, going right, left, and score at all three levels. Big, big, big time player, big time get, great recruiting class. That was the positive. Last night, sloppy, choppy, ugly uh, basketball. They won. They won by 16. They were up 20 when they pulled the starters out. But uh, it's a team that's, you know, kind of finding the rotation right now. And, and, and it really won't clear itself up until Dylan DeSue gets back and gets worked in. But we're talking about where they're at right now because the games start, no, nah, maybe not Sunday. Louisville's not very good. Texas will win. But if they win Sunday against Louisville and Madison Square Garden, they're going to have to play UConn Monday. And eh, um, that, that's going to be a tough one right now because you're turning the ball over too, too much, too many unforced turnovers. And if you go with a big lineup like they did against Rice the second half last night, they'll, they'll, they'll have really struggled to score 
against UConn with that big lineup because Dylan Mitchell's just not a wing player. Uh, so they lose to spacing and three point shooting. So they're in a bit, they're in a bit of kind of finding their way with this t- the, with this roster right now without DSU. Caden Shedder's looking really good uh, coming back, still just trying to get his legs underneath him. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they play in Madison Square Garden against Louisville because I think that'll be telling in how they want to play against against UConn. Uh, but they're going to uh, they they played well enough to beat an, a, a decent Rice team last night, eighty to sixty four. But sixteen turnovers, way too many unforced turnovers. It's not like Rice was pressure defense. You're they're pretty much just uh, committing too many unforced turnovers through three games as they kind of tend to find their way and play together. Um, but Dylan Mitchell, pl- being what he is, playing to his strengths, I think is going to be so key for this team this year. If he tries to play to what he wants to be in four years versus what he is now, I think that makes it a little more difficult on Texas this year. I The thing I took away, and, and Jerry, look, shooting 60% is pretty strong. Yeah. Um. That's number one. So I, that was my biggest takeaway. This is a good shooting team. Great. For I mean, great. yeah, exactly. So that's that's part one. So they can get hot at times, probably. Turnovers, I agree. That, that's that been a bugaboo in college basketball period, not just at Texas, right? Let, let me take something different, though. I want to ask, because I, I had a text thread with some college friends of mine that all are this, and they're talking about one and dones. Are, are guys that are highly rated like Dylan Mitchell, right? And they're talking also about Trey Johnson. What is the difference between a guy like Dylan Mitchell, who was, what was he ranked coming in? Top He's top five, top five upside. Okay. So athletically, he yeah. is still a top five guy probably. Yes, right? athletically. He's not a top five basketball player. No. What's the difference of his impact Versus the impact of a guy like Trey Johnson, who I'm sitting here hearing you tell me can shoot it and score from everywhere. It almost feels like I I like Dylan Mitchell. He led the team in rebounds last night with 13. Okay, so maybe he's Dennis Rodman someday. Right. He's not necessarily a score is my point. What's the difference? The impact, it seems, would be higher on the guys that put the ball in the basket. A hundred percent. Yeah. Trey Johnson, even though he's ranked relatively the same as a Dylan Mitchell coming in. There's an outsized value on a guy that can score maybe, like you said, 15 to 18 points a game. Yeah, no, big difference. Look, it's a uh, it's a basketball is a perimeter game now, more so than ever. Um, it's about floor spacing. It's about drive baseline, kick the corner for three, right? That's what this game really is. And it's filtering down from the NBA level to the college level uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, especially when they move the three-point line back to 21-9. So it's a spacing, shooting game, creating off of your shooters. Uh, that's what uh, that's what the game of basketball is going to continue to evolve into at the college level. So you get those 6-5. I, I think Rodney and them are doing a great job in recruiting now. I, I think they got to piece this thing together this year, and it may be a little tough. Uh, but uh, the thing is, Trey Johnson, Cam Scott, you're talking 6-5, 6-6 guards, who can handle the ball, who can play with the ball, who can play off the wing, who can play in the ball screen game. So they're going to – they're getting big, long guards. But Trey Johnson will be a guy that averages 15, 16 a game in year one in college basketball. He's going to be that level score because he shoots it so well and he'll get to the free throw line. He'll convert at the free throw line. He's got enough of a mid-range game and he's physical. 
He's not he's not going to let people push him around as a freshman guard. Dylan Mitchell was an upside guy. The key with the upside guys, to me, you can still get where you want to go, but if you try to force it on the court, you can actually hurt your team. You got to be who you are and maximize that. Get yourself into that draft and then go develop the rest of the next three or four years. And people, and this is not a player comparison, but people got to remember PJ Tucker, what did he shoot? Five threes in college at Texas in three years? He had to go, he went overseas before he made it to the NBA. He was a back to the basket, long arm jump hook guy in college basketball. Then he went and developed the perimeter game to be what he ended up being. He didn't try to do that at the college level. And that that's the tough that's the tough thing for some of these kids who are in a race to get to the NBA. Interesting. Hey, Gary, we got a couple of questions regarding uh, Trey Johnson. Zane Petty first, just for clarification. Uh Trey just committed. He didn't sign, correct? Uh, no, he actually, he signed and he signed uh, a little bit before he announced. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, Jerry. Jerry dropping nuggets on on coffee and football at around 8.30 in the morning. There you go, Jerry. <laughs> I had a couple more about Trey Johnson from Helio Castillo. He says, is Trey Johnson considering the G League, or do you feel like he will end up in college? I think he really wants to go to college. I think there's a difference between some of these guys. I mean, look, I, I said this on coffee and football. I said this on some of the video stuff and on Inside Texas. When he went on his official visit to Texas in August, he went and spent 30 minutes in the football facility. He talked to Sark. There was a picture I posted with Arch Manning and him. He he really likes the idea of being a college student. He likes college football. He loves his basketball. He There's something that really appeals to him. He's different than some of these kids who are, are more like, I, I would like to go to college. That sounds good. But if the pro opportunity, look, he may have that G League opportunity in the spring. We'll see. Uh, but this is a, he's a little different. He's a little different in that he really, I think, likes the idea of going to – and he likes Texas more than people know for all those reasons. And he's a state of Texas pride kid. So we talk about it in recruiting a lot where kids don't really – this kid grew up in the state of Texas. Obviously, his father's been a coach in Texas his whole career. His father played at Baylor at the start of his college career. This kid has that in-state pride. And, and there's something inside him that makes him want to play a year of college basketball and go to the University of Texas. So he's a little different than some of these other guys. I had a couple more, Jerry. Uh, this one from Corey J. Is he one and done? And if so, is he oh, yeah. a top 10 pick? I, he's a one and done guy. I, it's too early to say where he would fall in that draft because that's such a worldwide sport internationally now. I mean, you, you got to kind of look outside the – United States to kind of see that 2025 class. But I'll tell you this, if you go to like nbadraft.net and their mock drafts for 2025, they have him and Cam Scott both in the top 15 picks. I think Cam Scott's a two-year guy personally, but that's the Trey I think is definitely a one and done guy, but that's how talented these guys are. I mean, they're they're a year away from being in college and, and the people that do these NBA mock drafts that do a pretty good job have both those guys in the top 15 potentially. Uh, then we'll go another one here. This one from Jeff Aiken. He says, great about Trey Johnson, but Ron Holland did little here. Well, he did nothing. Uh, <laughs> Greg Brown did little here. Mitchell did little his freshman year. Jerry, what sets Trey apart from these other guys? Well, it's, it's guards. Ba guards in basketball. Guards in college basketball. That's the big difference, right? I mean, you know, look, Keontae George, his impact last year. Uh, Jacoby Walter at Baylor. I'm using some guards from Texas. They went to Baylor. Trey just left 
what people thought he would do, follow those guys at Baylor. But you look at the guards, those six, four, five, six, six guards that come into college basketball, those guys that are ready-made scorers, those guys tend to really excel in college basketball. That's the difference than a Ford trying to become a wing, right? That, that's exactly what I was asking about that's Mitchell. Different. Even though they're rated higher, it's that's more some of these ratings are not necessarily it's, it's the same in football. It's the same the in football, right? Yes. Yeah, they're rating on what they think they'll do in the NFL draft as opposed to yep. I mean, look, Brock Purdy was even poorly drafted, but had a great college career, right? right. But he didn't fit the profile, right? But he did not exactly. And so that that's what I was asking about the difference between a high ranking for Dylan Mitchell and a high ranking for a guy like Trey Johnson, Jerry. Yeah. It's not it's not exactly like the impact of a quarterback in football, but maybe kind of that same regard because scoring the ball uh, matters so much. Yes. All right, guys, we have a super chat that I want to read here. Let's from do it. <laughs> oh, I from thought it was I thought it was a manscaped super. Oh, it is <laughs> <laughs> from Henry James yeah. BC. He says, Does Bert Auburn have an NIL deal with Manscaped? I don't know that for sure, but I'm gonna let Jerry tell us all about Manscaped. Hey, look, man, Henry James, great segue. It's that time. It's I know it's my favorite time in the morning. Are you ready to spice up Thanksgiving as we dive headfirst into mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce? Let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season. That's the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. That's right. It's time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com and use on Texas all caps for 20% off and free shipping and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the lawnmower 5.0. Gobble gobble boys, don't let your poor grooming be the topic of the dinner conversation this year. When the with the lawnmower 5.0 ultra, you'll be the talk of the table. On Texas all caps for 20% off at manscape.com. I love you for doing that read, Jerry. Just <laughs> Yeah, I love you, buddy. Gobble, gobble, boys. <laughs> One of the best lines of all time. Oh, well, Henry James, BC, we thank you for the super chat and using that to transition into Manscaped. And uh, all right, guys, we got another super chat here I need to read. And this one from Burt Reynolds. And he says, I'm kicking off the upgrade Bobby's Wi-Fi pun. Thank you, Burt. I moved my router literally right next to the computer. Mm-hmm. So if uh, that if we had a problem on Monday... If, if that doesn't work, I don't know what to tell you. Let's blame AT&T. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Well, thank you, Bert. We got some more Super Chats we're going to get into, guys. This next one, a comment from Tribs, And he says, got to fighting with my cousin last night, and OU still sucks. Well, who's your cousin a fan of? And why was there a fight? I guess he's an Oklahoma fan. Well, I, there, hey, Jerry, let's talk about OU a little bit yeah. and a and I, I think we need to talk about A&M because I reported something this morning at Inside Texas that we haven't even hit on yet. Yeah. Uh, but OU right now looks like they're going to end up being only having two losses. They have an easy trek. Oklahoma State, I think, has an easy trek. I, of the two lost teams, Kansas State, Iowa State, and Texas are the only ones that actually play teams that are kind of difficult, I think, down the stretch here. So, um all right, uh, that, that's first of all. I think I think OU's done a good job this year. They've maximized what they've had. They had a weak schedule, relatively speaking. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, all right, 
let's talk about hey, by the way can i say something on ou yeah so on the road you pick up some interesting things and i was on the road earlier this week stopping by some high schools dylan gabriel may come back next year if he does will jackson arnold stay at oklahoma ah something to follow all right moving on oh wow <laughs> wow that's on. crazy all right uh, hey let me ask you, let me talk about this uh, one of the names that came up I, I actually talked to some college coaches off and on through, through my years i Keep up with them. A couple of guys mentioned this. Lincoln Riley may be interested in Texas A&M. Think about that. You know, he's a native Texan. Uh, kind of dissatisfied is what I understand at, at USC. Kind of their meddlesome, uh, uh, meddlesome boosters, uh, you know, trying to get him to fire a defensive coordinator that probably needed to be fired two years ago. Um and now he's trying to throw his hat in the ring, not only in pro jobs, but maybe at Texas A&M as well. Uh, of course, Jeff Trailer, Mike Elko, Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer, other names involved in that job too. Uh, but Jerry, what are your thoughts on Lincoln Riley? I mean, is, is this just a guy that's a coaching nomad and needs to like stay put or figure it out? He, he feels like he's dis, like dissatisfied wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah, I think, look, so I think they told him to fire his D coordinator, essentially, right? That's never good for a relationship. Um, then he takes the USC job and, and the Pac-12 falls apart and they're going to the Big Ten. I mean, um, you know, so I, it, there's so many things going on there right now at USC. And uh, the other big thing is he's not going to win the Pac-12 this year. In fact, he's... They can't stop anybody. They haven't even looked that great on offense at times in Pac-12 play. And so Oregon and Washington are clearly better than them. And I would think Oregon State's probably a better football team than they are as well. Um, and you could argue Utah. So, I mean, USC is not at the season they expected uh, as well. So it, it's it, some of this stuff is just power plays by these coaches, right, whether they're trying to look for a raise or they're trying to say, okay, you know what, I, I can leave here at any time. Um, so there, there's a lot that goes into this, but at USC, there's so many interesting things going on for Lincoln. Um, then there are the NFL rumors, right? So, um, they, it, that, that, that would be an all timer for me that I would kind of chuckle at because he could have gone to LSU. Yep. Uh, he's, I mean, he's a hot mess. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what he, it feels like to me. Right. I mean, you leave OU, which is a, great program you leave usc which is a great program to go to a&m what it's it's like and i said this i mean he's got to try to build them for 100 million just like jimbo did i mean at what point at what point do you just settle down man yeah that that's my point um and dan landing's interesting because a lot of in the coaching community they don't think he'll take the job right no i've heard the same thing yeah, they 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 think uh, that they he likes what he's building that, to compete in the Big Ten, and then it, if another SEC job opens up in a few years, then it may be a different story. You know, LSU is a fundamentally better job than A and M. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean it can be argued in part that a, a, a LSU might be the best job in college football because it is the only state school. That is the only big time division one program in its state that yeah. they don't compete against. I mean, there is no Texas A&M in, in Louisiana. There is no Ole Miss and Mississippi. I mean, 
they are the only one that has to compete, and they have a home field advantage for every single Louisiana kid. Texas doesn't have that. Texas A&M doesn't have that. Maybe Oklahoma does, but Oklahoma even has Oklahoma State, and there's no, there's not that many prospects in Oklahoma. To, to, to your point, Bobby, I think Georgia's one and LSU's two in that regard. Because yeah, because Georgia Tech's not really that. And, and, and the population growth in Atlanta, yeah. I mean, the talent there is just off the chart. So Georgia's probably, but to Bobby's point, especially pre-NIL, I think LSU was the best recruiting job. And if you talk to college coaches, uh, a lot of them, I bet eight out of every 10 would give you the same answer, that LSU's the best recruiting job in the country. But so Isaac Darden asked, do you guys think that Dabo would be interested in a and I think that his relationship with I – don't, I don't know if he'll be interested. Who knows with this guy? I mean, he's a little bit of a crackpot, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but – so I don't know if he would be. I think there is a tie there with Gene Stallings, uh, the, form, the A&M grad, uh, et cetera, and he coached Dabo at Alabama during that time period. So I, I'm sure there's been a phone call made from his former mentor, uh, but I don't know – Nothing tells me that Dabo's leaving uh, Clemson. Maybe he maybe he leaves after he loses to Mac Brown this weekend. Hey, somebody said five. something in the comments that's hilarious. Dabo won't take anybody from the portal, so is he really going to hit the portal himself? <laughs> <laughs> he also has a b- massive buyout, which we know A and M is willing to pay people to do nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Dabo is built for the nil day and age. Economy. Oh, I don't. Eat, I don't think. So. I don't think Mac Brown is either. Yeah. Now Mac is more malleable than Dabo. Mac was Mac and Dabo have a lot of similarities circa Mac 2010, 2011 right now in my opinion. Yeah. Mac was a little hard-headed, not a little, a lot hard-headed. Dabo is being a lot hard-headed right now. Yeah. Okay. Mac has has softened that stance realizing that that hard-headedness probably is why he's coaching at Carolina and not still at Texas. All right, y'all, we got some more supers that we have to get to. This first one here from Jerry's Burner account. He says, for no reason at all, but when you do remote shows from bars or wherever you may be, what are your power needs? Asking for no reason whatsoever, just asking questions. (laughs) Bobby, I'm going to let you answer this one. Um, When you do remote shows from bars, what are your power needs? A nap. (laughs) Uh, Really, all we need are uh, dedicated Wi-Fi. And so usually when we do it, like at the co-op, for example, or Schultz's, uh, we get a dedicated Wi-Fi uh, piece. And then also uh, we get power. Uh, that's, a, that's a big piece. And then just an area that doesn't have music playing right in the background uh, because there's a YouTube uh, policy against having unlicensed music. And we don't have, YouTube doesn't have a broad music license. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, this next super chat here from Steven Taylor, and it's a two-parter here, so let me bring this part up. He says, have to see how this week plays out, then all the tiebreaker scenarios will be out there for next week's game. Texas needs to bring the team that played in Tuscaloosa because it will be loud on Saturday. I agree. I think it's going to be a in a tremendous college football environment and atmosphere there in Ames. I, Texas has to – look, I, Texas has to execute at a high level. Uh, and, and here's the thing. It goes back to, in some ways, it's not playing Alabama. So in the comment section, don't jump on me for saying this, but it goes back to that in some ways. Offensive line communication pre-snap is huge. 
Jake Majors has a huge job headed into this game. If everybody's on the same page and you don't put yourself behind the chains, yeah, um, then I, I think things will things will progress very nicely for Texas in this game. But if they if they get those behind the chains penalties, holding penalties at bad times, right, false starts, illegal shifts in motions, things that can happen in that type of environment, they have to execute offensively at a high level because I think this team that they're they're going up against is so disciplined defensively, Bobby. So disciplined. I think that's a great word for it, disciplined. They don't beat themselves. They keep the ball in front of them. They don't get beat over the top historically, even though they, they play a little. They can bring safeties down so quickly. I, I, I love the, the term discipline there, Jerry, because that is a perfect descriptor. Maybe, but just like I think – I mean, there are, there are more disciplined defense, in my opinion, than Kansas State, for example. Yeah. Kansas State is a disciplined offense not as disciplined on defense. Whereas I think the most dis disciplined defense in the Big 12 is unquestionably Iowa State. And and Iowa State won't come out and play man. <laughs> no, they, they won't be they won't tempt fate. No. Yeah. All right guys, more super chats to get to that we need to knock out. One of them a comment from UT Boy. He says Jerry Hamilton is a straight soldier. Thank you UT Boy for the <laughs> super chat. And then uh, Biggins, MN, says, I live in Minnesota three, out or, three hours from Ames, and I'm not scared of the dark or college senior night. LOL, I'll be there Saturday. Hook them. And you're not rowing the boat, so good on you. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the old <laughs> – you're you coming up with some great ones. P.J. Fleck and his little moniker. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I, I would say is that – Ames is going to be – it is one of those things where there is very few Texas fans there. This is not playing at TCU where 30% of the – or 40% of the stadium are Longhorns or Baylor where 40% or even 50% are Longhorn fans. This is this is a true road game. This is more like Manhattan, Kansas. Yes. That's, that's the two. And remember this, that's important because Texas went on the road last year with Quinn Ewers and beat Kansas State. That this is a similar, in my opinion, similar type of game for Texas this year. I got two more super chats to get to. This first one from Lee Barton. He says, Does Iowa State's defense have team speed to match Texas screens in the flat? Possible jet sweeps by Keelan Robinson, running wide by blue, etc. They don't have tremendous team speed but they do put more speed on the field by using different types of personnel. So they have five true DBs on the field at all times. Um, and then they, they kind of shoot their safeties up on wide zone scheme stuff or um, any kind of uh, motion out of the backfield. Here, here's the issue that you get into uh, with Iowa State. You have to make somebody miss in space to beat them, in my opinion. You have to run slants. Uh, you have to run quick game and then break a tackle. Uh, they, like Jerry called them, very disciplined. Uh, the best way that people have beaten the three high is to actually run people over. But Texas hasn't proven that they can run people over in the three high this year. Now, maybe Iowa State's defensive line isn't as good as, I don't know, Houston's. Houston had three down linemen that were actually really good. Um, 
maybe Iowa State doesn't have that number. I don't know. Uh, but uh, the, the thing that you have to do is actually find a way to make the first tackler miss. And they don't specialize necessarily in speed. They're all, they don't have any slow people. But they spe- specialize in guys that tackle in space and get guys to the ground. You will not find, in my opinion, and this goes to Jerry's disciplined comment, a better tackling team in the Big 12 than uh, Iowa State. I, I think the thing with Iowa State, too, is they're not quite as good. Well, look, I mean, obviously they've had suspensions on the D-line and an outside backer as they have been. So I, I'm inter- interested to see it. I'm not sure if you look at Iowa's schedule. I mean, Iowa, and eh, I mean, like Oklahoma's the team they've played in TCU that have speed skill on the outside, right, in numbers. They really test you. Um, Texas, even with Brooks out, I think is going to present Iowa State a little different issue than they've had had to go against this year. Worthy can make a big play. Mitchell can make a big play. JT Sanders can make a big play against you. So uh, that's interesting for Iowa State. They haven't faced a team that has two wides and a tight end this year that can get you in the intermediate game. He, but Quinn's got to distribute the ball. That's right. Got to execute it. He's not. He's not been a great. He's been a a good a good decent distributor. He hasn't been a great distributor of of throwing it to different pieces. He finds a weak spot and they kind of pinpoint it. That's why Worthy can have ten catches in one game and Mitchell has three the next and vice versa. All right, y'all. We have another super chat. This one from Colton. Want to thank him for that. He says, after listening to Sark's Monday presser, this feels like a game that Texas is about to break tendency and play more aggressive on defense as well as offense without Jonathan Brooks, especially on third down. I agree with that, Bobby. I, I think I think Sark was somewhat sending a message in his Monday press conference. I, I kind of do too. I could tell. I'm like, but I, look, if he's taking that from his like, what does that mean? Because if it means more deep shots that spoil drives, I'm not for it. If it means more committing five and six to the box, I'm for it on defense. Yeah, I, I think I think defensively, I think defensively they see an Iowa State team um, that they can be a little more aggressive with at the line of scrimmage and coverage. That's what I think they're seeing when scouting Iowa State, and I think that's the message that Sark was probably going to sending is that this is a team that offensively, they don't have a receiver like they did last year that you kind of feared. They have some young running backs, but they don't have the level of what they had in the past um, right now. They don't have the guys that, whoa, scare you. So I think you're going to see a more aggressive Texas defense Saturday. I need to see what they do on offense. But you still have to execute it. <laughs> Going, I mean, throwing it deep for for no reason uh, when you're up by 20. I, I'm still having a problem getting over that right now. I got this next question from Cool J. He says, prize pick says Quinn at 249.5 yards and CJ Baxter at 80.5. Should he take the over on both? Do y'all think Quinn will pass more than 250? Do you think CJ will run for more than 80 on Saturday? I'm not going to say what they predicting on what they will do. But I will say they need to. I would not take the over on either. Right? <laughs> like, I, like, no, no, no. Time out. Time out. Let me say this. I wouldn't take the over on both. 
Texas, Iowa State's probably going to try to make Texas be one-sided. Yeah. That's what I would say to you, Corey. So if you feel like that's going to be throwing the ball, that's one thing. If you feel like it's going to be running the ball. But I would, my personal opinion, uh, based on what I know of Iowa State, they try to make you one-dimensional. So unless Baxter pops off an 80-yard run or a 50-yard run, I, I would lean, I would lean more to they're going to make Quinn Ewers beat them. They're not going to let Texas run the ball. That so make your pick from there. Somebody's asking about the weather forecast. Let me uh it's 48 at kick um and going into the low 40s at night. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Well, y'all, I'm glad Corey J mentioned Prize Picks because I need to let everybody know about Prize Picks. It's a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. You simply pick between two to six players, and if they'll go more or less than their projection, it's just you versus the projections available instead of battling thousands of other players. It's really simple to play. It takes almost no time whatsoever. I can personally make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. And what I love about it is that Prize Picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. You can watch your progress update in real time. You can win up to 25 times your entry amount, and you can cash out your winnings with quick withdrawals. All you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash ontexas Use promo code on Texas. You'll get a first deposit match of up to $100. And this weekend on Prize Picks, I'll be doing some college football action. I'm choosing UTSA quarterback Frank Harris to pass for less than 274 yards. North Carolina quarterback Drake May to pass for more than 271. And Oregon's Bo Nix to pass for more than 300. So to join me, you can go to prizepicks.com slash on Texas. Use promo code on Texas. Like I said, they'll give you a first deposit match of up to $100, and that's Prize Picks, Daily Fantasy Sports, made easy. Hey, I, like, I, I like those, Blake, which means you'll lose. Hey, by <laughs> the way, I got to ask this, Jerry, wait a second. I got to ask you. If Jeff Trailer takes the A&M job, has Frank Harris got another one, another year eligible like Dylan Gabriel? Holy cow. Yeah. These guys are going to be playing forever. They are. They, they might. Hey, by the way, Texas is lucky they're playing in Ames this week, and I was just looking at the extended weather forecast because, you know, I love golf. And <laughs> Ames next weekend, they'd be playing 20 degrees at kickoff. So be no, glad you're in Ames this weekend and not next weekend. No, thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, y'all, more Super Chats we have to get to. Oh, wait, well, hold on. Uh-oh. Ryan Nelson's 854, you have to bring it up. Ryan Nelson, 854, UTSA versus FAU this week? I think they're playing South Florida. UTSA's playing South Florida, I think. But yes, um, I'm always yeah. up to I'm always up to watch FAU play football right now. So 
Yeah. How are they doing this year? I don't even know. Well, not great, Bobby. Not great. Is Tom, <laughs> Tom having some problems. Not great. The Herminator. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> oh man. All right, guys. We gotta get to these super chats here. Uh this first one here is from Roberto Weller. And thank you, Roberto. I had to look up what GTQ was. It's Guatemalan Quetzal, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. He says, hot take. The TCU EP was Christian Jones. His false start forced Sark not to go for it on fourth down. That field goal won the game. It depends what Sark had called. I mean, look, I mean, we can we can bemoan Texas's issues in short yardage. Um, but, uh, look, they're not horrible on fourth and one. They're bad on third and one and third and two and third and three. I think they're at 50% on fourth and one. But to your point, uh, I, I can see why you're saying that. Um, Sark, a couple of times this year, is definitely the, – the Houston game just comes back to me. Instead of going for a field goal, he runs a fake field goal. Uh, maybe there were times against uh, Kansas State he would have been better off going for a field goal down in the red zone there. Uh, by and large, though, I think Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian have got to come up with this idea that let's take some points. Uh, especially when we're on the road, by the way. Points become very valuable on the road, and that's that's this weekend. Hey, the reason I brought up the uh, Ryan Nelson, who is a great stats guy on the FAU, because they played a few weeks ago, and FAU had 162 yards against UTSA of offense and averaged .7 a rush, and they got blown the heck out. Did you say .7? Yes, point <laughs> seven per rush against UTSA. Uh, 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 FAU's four and six, and they have two lane and at Rice left, so they're going four and eight this year. All right. All right. On that note, we're going to move on to this next super chat from Zach Fisher. He says, "I took the girlfriend to the movies last night. Forty bucks for popcorn and only two hours entertainment. With Inside Texas subscription, it's ten dollars for endless hours of entertainment and fun." Thanks for joining us, Zach. We appreciate you, man. Uh, please, hey, by the way, if you if you don't have a subscription to Inside Texas, please join us over there. Jerry, myself, we're all over there all day long. InsideTexas.com. Right now, there's a special uh, OTFIT23. You get one, uh, you get two months of a subscription for just one dollar. You have to select, however, the monthly offer. That's Inside Texas. Use promo code OTFIT23. Uh, thanks for mentioning that, guys. By the way. Um, I want to say this. Uh, Eric Nalin wrote a column yesterday, uh, Jerry and Blake, where he went down what what uh, NFL draft grade he thought players would get. He had Tavondre Sweat with a first-round grade, Adonai Mitchell with a first to second-round grade, Xavier Worthy with a second-round grade, uh, Jalen Ford with a fourth-round grade. It was very interesting. Uh, a lot of different guys uh, in, in there. If you get a chance to go look at it, he kind of breaks it all down. Uh, that's over at InsideTexas.com. Well, Bobby, I'm glad you brought that up because that leads me to my next question. This one from Drew Hill. Who do you think will be the first Longhorn drafted in the NFL next April? You know, what's interesting is, so I uh, I got something from, uh, um, let's just say an agency that deals with NFL scouts. They have – they have uh, Adonai Mitchell as the first guy off the board right now for Texas. But we'll see. I mean, look, all it takes is one team. 
right? And all it takes is one team. I could see Sweat being the first pick uh, off the Texas team, or I could see it being AD Mitchell. It, it, I think I think it's going to be one of those two, Bobby. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Adonai Mitchell is going to run well enough. I don't know that he's going to run well enough to be a first round pick. That would be my. That's my question too. Yeah, uh, and I think Sweat will check a, a lot of boxes. Sweat's uh, issue has been consistency throughout his career. He's been a flash player. He is becoming more consistent, but he still runs a little hot and cold. He didn't necessarily have a great second half against TCU, for example, after absolutely dominating the first half. So, um, but I, I, if I had to guess right now, uh, as Drew Kelson here uh, steps in and tells us he thinks T Sweat also. Thanks. By the way, by the way Xavier Worthy will blow up testing. Mm-hmm. But then it gets going to get down to what they think of his consistency. Yes. But he has shown better hands this year. He has. Now watch him go and drop something against Iowa State because I said that. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, he Xavier has definitely shown more consistent hands. It's clear that last year he was absolutely injured. So. All right, guys, it's time to get a little poetic here as Trace Crutchfield with the Super Chat. He says he has some poetry for us. In Ames, Iowa, where the cyclone spin, Texas Longhorns came and a storm set in. Jack Trice shook and their left guard buckled. Another victory assured under the burnt orange knuckle. We found Matthew McConaughey's burner account. I, that has Matthew McConaughey's signature all over it. He might turn that into a song to sing on Twitter or something. <laughs> Good stuff, Trace. All right, guys, we're going to go back to the NFL question from a second ago. Burt Reynolds says, is there any chance Byron Murphy comes back for one more year? Grade. It's going to depend on grade, I think. Uh, because if he gets... If he gets a second round or above, Jerry, or a third round or above, it's just going to be really hard. Fourth round and up, that was kind of the situation where Jalen Ford saw himself last year, that fifth, sixth, seventh round. Um, that That is doable uh, from an NIL perspective. So it'll be, it may be up to Byron Murphy about what he wants to do and how he sees his future. Maybe he thinks he's ready to move on regardless and the other thing with Byron, you have to take into account is he came into college with sixty college credit hours. Yeah, he had an associate's degree leaving high school, so he's way beyond where a lot of junior- maybe he's going for his master's. Yeah, I mean that'd be the whole thing because he's way beyond academically where most true juniors are in, in college right now. Then Emmanuel Villafranco follows that up with, "How about Alfred Collins coming back?" I think that's possible too because he, I don't know that he's going to be. I think Eric had him as a third or fourth round. I don't know that he's going to be that high based on his performance this year. He has played better, Jerry. Uh, he doesn't have the big numbers like right. uh, Sweat or Murphy, in my opinion, and has been playing a little bit of a backup role. But he's definitely looked better. Uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. But I think he could. he's more likely to come back in my mind than Byron Murphy at this point. Somebody, somebody asked a question. If, if, if Texas could have one player from Iowa State yes. this weekend, who, that's actually an interesting question. One of the safeties. So Tom Rucker says, if you could have one player from Iowa State's roster to replace one of ours, who would it be? And then he adds on, frankly, I do not know of one. For KSU, though, it would have been Cooper Beebe. You know who I'm going with? Jeremiah Cooper, the sophomore safety out of El Paso, Texas. 
36 tackles, five interceptions, one return for a touchdown. Really good player, plays the ball really well. TJ Tampa at corner is a good player as well. Yeah, TJ Tampa, but I don't think Texas is hurting at corner. I think Texas is fundamentally hurting at safety right now, Jerry. Yeah. And Blake, now they're not horrible. I'm not trying to sit here, you know, but that that's where I think I would go. All right, guys, we got another question here. This one from Russell Swain. He says, do you think that every team in the top 10 has challenges like the Longhorns do? There doesn't seem to be one dominant team. Georgia still hasn't lost, but everyone can be beat, right? Everybody can be beat, but I'll say that, I mean, Michigan has off-the-field challenges right now, but I actually think it may bring them closer together. But I'm telling you, on the field, people can say what they want about Penn State, And they're actually talking about on the Pat McAfee show before Trey Johnson announced yesterday. But I'm here to tell you, Bobby, like, if you can line up and run the ball 35 plays in a row, Penn State's not void of NFL talent on defense. They just said, this is what we're doing with their seven future draft picks on the offensive line, and you're going to take it, and you're not going to get dessert. I mean, I that was like, whoa. I mean, I, that was pretty impressive. Their offensive line may go beyond really good. Um, it's also indicative of how little you think of the Penn State offense. Right. But, I mean, just to be, the ability to do that. And Georgia's interesting because here's where, where Georgia's interesting to me. Um, I don't think, and they would say this, they're not as good as the last two teams that won a national championship. But it, it, year to year, you may not have to be. Um, they're not as good on defense, if you talk to people very close to that, as they have been. They're too young at some spots this year. Um, is Carson Beck a higher upside quarterback? It, maybe. It's starting to look that way a little bit. But the interesting thing going to Tennessee this weekend is the teams that want to play fast, they want to have some tempo, the communication's easier for them at home versus road. So it's, I'm interested to see how Tennessee is going to attack Georgia this week. I think Georgia's a much better team. Uh, Ohio State have any weakness? I mean, everybody has some weaknesses. I mean, there's no per, I don't think there's a perfect team this year. Um, not certainly like Georgia two years ago, who was, I mean, offensive, defensive line, defense was off the charts, right? And Brock Bowers is a great player at tight end. They had enough around it. But uh, I don't know about you, Bobby, but I just, Michigan's offensive line may, if you're looking for one thing that may make one team better than everybody else, Michigan's offensive line may be it. I would agree with that. Um, I will say this uh, additionally. I love Carson Beck and what he's doing at Georgia right now as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think that ultimately they're going to have upgraded from Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Um, maybe not at the end of this year, but next year. Um, he And he's got – he's got – players he's got more guys than he had a year ago other than um you look at yes they lost Adonai Mitchell but they got two guys from the portal that were leading receivers at Mississippi State and Missouri a year ago and they've got guys that can run the ball and A.D. Mitchell was hurt all year so he didn't really factor in yeah Brock Bowers is back now I mean look I just think they're They've got some guys on both sides of the, the ball that give anybody fits, in my opinion. Now, can they, if Michigan were to go up against Georgia and really try to force the run, is J.J. McCarthy the X factor in that game for Michigan? Because he would be, he would have to be, in my opinion. It's not going to be Blake Corm. 
Right. He was a good back, but not unbelievable or anything. Um, I, that's and, and Michigan may be able to stand up and pass pro in a matchup like that because of that offensive line. That would be the key, right? We don't know how good they're in pass pro. They are in pass pro, actually. No, we don't actually know. That. I mean, only threw eight times against Penn State. All right, y'all, we got another super chat. This one from Bryson Bass. And Bryson says, Quinn not being involved in the run game hurts us. Defensive ends just crash hard in the zone running game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from OU helps the running game just the threat of him being able to do so. Especially against the Iowa State three high, Bobby. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's one of the things. I mean, Quinn, Dylan Gabriel scored a touchdown at least uh, against uh, Iowa State. And that is something that Brian Irwin – the coach uh, that we have on as a guest has always mentioned even putting Peyton or Arch Manning in on the goal line as a running threat compared to Quinn Ewers might be smart at times because he actually has a threat of running. Whereas Quinn just does not have that threat. And because of that, the, the ends crash really, really hard and make that outside zone kind of just delay just enough to, to, to have a problem. So I agree with, I agree with that. It is an issue, uh, especially in the red zone and short yardage. And speaking of Quinn guys, Phil McIntosh says any indication on how yours is feeling after being sore back for his first week. I think that's what we're waiting to see what uh, Sark has to say today, but uh, I expect him to say he's made all the throws all week. He's looked really good. He's ready to go. Um, I've not heard anything specifically about any setback or anything. One thing that that I thought was interesting when Tom Luganbill joined us yesterday, Jerry, uh, for coffee and football, he said that Sark told him in pre-prep work last week that you wouldn't have known Quinn was even injured if you had gone to a practice. Right. So he felt really good about putting Quinn out there on Saturday. Now, how is he? How is he coming off of this soreness after playing against TCU? How is it going to feel in cold weather, Jerry? By the yeah. way. I don't know. Good question. Okay, guys. This next question here is from Helio Castillo, and he says, who's working at second string center after majors? Oh, uh, Connor Robertson was out. Uh, Cole uh, Hudson. Yeah, Cole Hudson's number two. I believe uh, Connor was out, held out for a week. I think it was concussion protocol. But Cole Hudson's number two center. Those guys have both worked at it. All right, Ryan Bruce says, thoughts on C.J. Baxter? He hasn't looked as violent or intuitive in the run game as I would have hoped. Injuries are a real thing, but he needs some kind of offseason to reach the hype. I agree. Uh, He doesn't naturally find the holes as well as uh, Jonathan Brooks. But I think think one thing that I think you and I would both say, Jerry, Jonathan Brooks found the holes better than Bijan and uh, Roshan. He's like more patient than either of those two. So I, I think when you compare him or juxtapose him to those two, he's a he Jonathan Brooks really does a great job of waiting for of, of having patience. Bijan was just zip go or make a move and make somebody miss, right? Yeah. Roshan was power through whatever he saw. Um, he was gonna run through people. Uh, so I think the comparison there is a little bit difficult because I do believe Jonathan Brooks, that's part of what made him a somewhat special running back at Texas uh, the last uh, nine, 10 games. Um, I would add this, uh, that Baxter hasn't been healthy at times. Um, he is more of a downhill running back than a pick your spot running back. 
he's still trying to figure out what that means on the college level. Yeah. Um, and when he does figure it out, and it could be during an offseason work of really going back and I mean, because one of the things you got to realize, these guys aren't just thinking about running the ball at running back. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned it in, Mon in his Monday presser about how well C.J. Baxter picked up that blitz on that third down throw from Quinn Ewers to Adonai Mitchell. I saw it in game. Yeah. That was a free blitzer coming off the edge, and he was not phased. He didn't try to go inside first. He could, went up and took – the line, uh, the safety or linebacker, who it was, coming off the edge, and literally just moved him out of the way. And so it's not just running for these guys that they're, especially as freshmen, where they're so consumed with just getting ready for college football, right? I, I, and I do, I will say this: we have seen him look like that running back at times. The run against Houston for the touchdown, man, that looked like that looked like an NFL guy if I've ever seen one. Uh, the the movie made on the Kansas State guy in the open field for the long touchdown run and then riding it out. I mean, he's he's shown glimpses. He's just not all the way there yet. All right, Bobby. Well, it's time for you to let everybody know about Texas Road. Yeah, Texas Road uh, helps put together roads for people, whether it's uh, individual individuals, corporations, or municipalities. Uh, the team's engineering background gives Texas Road the ability to perform work other for, uh, other firms often consider too risky. Uh, Rick Vavro, Tony Franco, and their team offer an end-to-end -end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work every time. Uh, Rick and Tony, we appreciate you guys. It was good seeing you at a couple of games this year, including over at Alabama. They are big-time Longhorn fans. Texas Road, uh, give them a shot if you're in need of road construction. And we want to thank them for sponsoring every Thursday right here on On Texas Football. And we have a super chat, guys, from Archmania. Thank you, Arch. He says, our recent recruiting run is kind of similar to what Kirby did his first three years at Georgia. I really see upward trajectory in recruiting. Can we get to signing five or more five stars each year? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, I, I don't know about that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think I think Texas is just I, I think they're building. I, I think they're building. I'm not sure they're bringing in quite the talent level Georgia was in, in, in some of those early classes. I mean, those classes. I mean, look, Georgia's had it's not just that they had 30. Was it 35 guys drafted in the last three drafts? It's how many were first rounders and how many different positions? I mean, that. That was one loaded roster uh, that Kirby built. I mean, truly loaded at multiple, multiple positions. So I'm not sure Texas is 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 close to where that roster was, but they're building. It may take them a little more time because Kirby went into a Georgia program that was winning nine, ten games a year and already had 25, 30 NFL guys on it. I would have a super chat here. Just for you, Bobby, from Brett Yormark. We want to thank Brett. Well, he said, I'm stopping by to say good morning, guys. Hook them. All right, Brooke. All right, Brett. I guess you're going to be in the AM president's box at the Texas game. Or, or the Texas Tech's uh, box at the Texas Tech game. Because you're not, I'm going to say this, you're not going to be invited to tech by Texas. I still, I mean, this guy, guys, y'all know how I feel about him. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, here, what happens if, 
let me ask you this. It looks brilliant now that Colorado's coming to the Big 12 because Dion has resurrected that program and they've had these great numbers. But do you realize that a couple of things, what if Dion takes the UCLA job? I, I think that'd be great. Or USC. What happens to Colorado then? They're back to, you know, what they were. Yeah. Okay. Arizona. Did y'all see this, this come out? Yes. Arizona has a, way, Jed Fish has done a great job. They're not he's good. He's done great. a great job. Arizona has a 240 million error in its athletic department. Not that's apparently they missed a couple of rep. They had a, some kind of major error, 240 million. I mean, good Lord. That's, that's like four Jimbo's. I mean, that's, that's just crazy. And so those are two of the four that Brett Yormark brought in. The other four that he brought in are the four of the five lowest schools in the current big 12 in football with beloved Baylor being the fifth. It's clearly basketball plays. Yeah, I mean, but, which is actually smart long term with where college football's headed. No, it's not. I mean, well, they ba- basketball do- doesn't carry the weight, dude. I mean, no, well, I know they don't, but they're not going to. They know they can't geographically compete with oh, the, okay. the SEC in football. There's oh, no, I got you. So there's they, not a, there's they, not, go win basketball because you can't win football. That's going to have to. I mean, because there's no players. I mean, there. You know, if Georgia, if Texas and OU go to SEC. Um, and Texas really does officially become an SEC state. Where are you going to get your players? I mean, there's just it's the same issue the Big 12's always had. There's no there. It's not good recruiting geography north of Texas. And then you're bringing in Arizona, which if they if they have six guys that are really good in that state every year, four want to leave. So I mean, it's like it's bad recruiting geography and football for the Big 12. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> we have another super chat from Juju Juice, and he says, "I fear your mark is saving the screw job for the Tech game." Well, uh, if he does that, Austin, he may not get out with his. He might not make it down the elevator from, from the press box. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Let's just hope they don't put as bad as uh, your mark is. Let's just hope they don't put Kevin Marr on the Friday afternoon or on the Friday evening game. Yeah, there you go. Viva Lorian <laughs> has got the right idea. Don't put his his crew on the on the game. Um, I will say this: at least they're starting to call pass interference against Xavier Worthy. I mean, they they totally didn't do it against Kansas State, and then against uh, TCU, they decided to do it. That's probably what Sonny Dykes was upset about. What y'all are actually going to call pass interference these days? You know. And, and I also wonder this, Jerry, and, and is part of Texas's problems in the secondary that their secondary isn't as handsy as other secondaries in the Big 12 because they're not taught to be as handsy as, uh, you know, the other guys are? Well, I, is that also going on to how aggressive you are in coverage? You know, I mean, it, can you? That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's a good question. I, I would say yes, but I wonder if the reason is, you know, if you're nine yards off on fourth and two against BYU, you're not – you don't even have a chance to get away with interference. <laughs> All right, y'all, another super chat. This one from Dartborg. want to thank him. He Ooh. says, do y'all think it's possible for a receiver to have Roy Williams' level of production in Sark's offense? Okay, so I have – I want to say yes, but the question for Bobby is, do you ever think we see another talent that level? At ta- because Roy was special. 
Special, special, special talent. And Roy didn't maximize. By That's the way. right. He didn't even come close. In, in my opinion, I mean, and he would say it. He, he long jumped twenty five plus, ran a sub ten five, uh, six two six three, bulky could run. I mean, natural hands. I mean, just unbelievable hands. Um, but he didn't maximize as a pro for sure. I don't, you know. Um, I do think you'll have. I mean, Sark's already put receivers up that have bigger numbers than Roy Williams. Right. He did that at Alabama. Whether we see that at Texas is going to depend on a number of other things. You know, whether or not, uh, it may not be under Quinn Ewers, but two years from now, if it's Arch Manning and they've got a full uh, run of both offensive and defensive linemen and wide receivers and all of that, yeah, I think we'll see. I think we could see a higher level production than that. I mean, Roy Williams would have been scary in today's college football, by the way. Yeah. Scary. In the spread game as much as – oof, watch out. All right, Joe, this is going to be the last question for today. And this came up earlier when we were talking about LSU and A&M, which one being the better job, so on and so forth. So Ashton Holloman says, can you rank the top five college football head coaching jobs? Ooh, that's oh, a – Clearly, good. Texas A&M is one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, let's see. Ooh, what would be the top five with conference changes, NIL, population changes in some areas? I'll tell you who I think ha- is the number one job. Is I'm talking recruiting, conference, recruiting geography, conference. I think Georgia's probably number one right now. Facilities, money for facilities, built to compete enough in NIL. Georgia's really, really, really good job nowadays, guys. You have the Carolinas, you have Atlanta's population boom. You go, you go, you go across I-10 and I-20 and take that and you go in, in any order here. Texas, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Yeah. They play in the conference kids are going to want to play in. And that strip, if you just take that parallel, has what? 40% of the NFL rosters. Yeah. Or would you rank Ohio, Ohio State? Schools. Am I, Ohio State, I, I would USC. Say, I would not, not USC for me now. I no, USC I, is a no because Ohio State's a maybe um, because they do yes. control that and they have a, and Ohio is a great football state. Um, Here's why I don't think USC. I think the, I, I think, you know, I go back to when, um, I was at Under Armour, ESPN Under Armour. We're running Under Armour camps around the country. I I was over the Los Angeles Under Armour camp for a few years. I couldn't fill the offensive line spots with 26, 27, for sure, power five offensive linemen out of that state. Uh, and, and, you know, there's that many guys, but, you know, but it, it was tougher to find those guys in California. And I think that's why you see all those schools. You know, it's why Mario Cristobal is at Oregon. And he came down to Texas to recruit Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams. It's why USC's recruiting Makai Sain and all these offensive linemen under Lincoln Riley in Texas. They don't have those guys in the state of California. And it's hard to be that level program if you're missing the offensive line talent in a state as big as California. All right. 
Well, before we get out of here, guys, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody what they can expect later today, right here on On Texas Football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tail of the tape, myself, Paul Wadlington, going to go uh, basically break down every aspect of the Texas-Iowa State game for this coming weekend. Uh, then Ian Boyd and uh, Rod Babers get together for uh, football theory. It's uh, one of the favorites that we do here. Uh, they try to tell you how they think uh, the game's going to go on Saturday uh, with some X's and O's talk, I guess is the best way uh, to put it. Really unique uh, opportunity there for people that are interested in a deeper level of football discussion. Of course, we'll be back uh, tomorrow with coffee and football as well. And as always, please visit us on InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry and I, Eric Nalene, publisher, uh, Joe Cook, Justin Wells, all of us on there. Uh, OTFIT23 for the promo code. Two months for just $1. I do want to add this. If anybody is interested in advertising on, on Texas football for coffee and football, we have a couple of morning spots available if you're interested. Give us an email. Like shoot us an email at ontexasfootball at gmail.com. That's ontexasfootball at gmail.com. We appreciate you guys, and, and thanks for joining us every, every, uh, every morning. This has been a fun thing we've done. Now, it's going on three months, guys, and the uh, participation and, and whatnot just been fun for uh, watching this all transpire during what has been a tremendous football season for the Longhorns. Yeah, and thank you to all for passing the word along about on Texas football. Uh, that growth doesn't happen with uh, all you guys that uh, listen, not telling friends and family. Yep. And then real quick, Jerry, we've had a couple of questions yeah, throughout, yeah. The, throughout the chat. Uh, of course, the area round of the Texas high school football playoffs begin tonight. Are you going to be checking out any games this weekend? I'm going to Cy Fair and Katie tomorrow. Trey Owens, Texas quarterback commitment 2024. Uh, Landon Rink, 2025 D-Lyman. I'm going to go watch uh, Cy Fair uh, play Katie tomorrow night. Um, you know, maybe not one of Katie's best teams they've had. They're maybe a little down. Uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what Cy Fair can do against KD high, but, uh, take a look at Trey Owens. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of coffee and football presented by Texas road. We want to thank them. want to thank Manscaped and prize picks for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that and ring the bell. So you're notified anytime a new video is posted for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton. I'm Blake Monroe. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. Okay.